0: Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason
1: Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have a guest that I'm very excited to chat with. Uh, he's got a cool book, he's got another one on the way, right? And. I do. Um, thank you. I'm very excited to get into this subject matter. We were talking a little bit before we recorded today. I think it's an incredibly timely message, so I hope you all enjoy. But I have the one, the only, the oh so famous Mr. Rob Hamilton in the house today. Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you very much, Jason. Uh, I do appreciate it. I'm glad to be here.
1: Hey, Rob, for everybody out there uh, that's watching or listening and kind of don't know your story or your origin story, kind of how you got started in the industry, I thought that'd be a fun place to kind of kick it off. So what is the origin story of Rob Hamilton?
0: (laughs) I love origin stories. Um, So here's the situation. We started uh, in the car business back in 1991 as a sales consultant and uh, went and sold for nine nine years, got into management, and then moved to a Saturn store uh, in 2001, I want to say. And I started off as a used car manager there. But about midway through, they were doing some changing with their training process. In other words, Saturn as a lot of people know a one price store, and I've sold under absolutely all formats. But the one price store is interesting, because one of the things that they felt that they were failing to do was actually ask for the business or they were having to say the word no too often so i came up with a program called you don't have to say no in other words if somebody said well can you do better on the price well they didn't negotiate so they would say no Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't take a hundred dollars off no (laughs) well that's not how you progress in the sales process that's kind of a, a kind of a stopper right there if you don't have something else to say so we were thinking about other things to do and we started learning about positive value statements we started learning about counters in other words explanations as to why we do things the way we do in other words we chose a culture that doesn't include negotiation or involve negotiation we prefer to relate to our guests with integrity we're a no hassle no mm-hmm. haggle environment these type of word tracks that help explain exactly why we did things the way we do and that way would prevent us from having to say the word no, and then move into the close, following the sales process, of course.
1: Of course. But
0: uh, at any rate, also asking for the word or asking for the sale was something that they kind of struggled with. You know, would you like to put this car in your garage? Is this something you like to do right now? All I need is your authorization right here. These are all good things, but they failed to do that. So we came up with, would you like to go ahead and then continue with the process? Very soft, very simple. But this was from you don't have to say no. And this was one of the biggest um, blunders from a marketing standpoint, too, that I, I had done in my life. And I like to talk about that. I don't know if uh, the self-deprecation is therapeutic or what
1: have you. <laughs> I like doing it all the it time. Def-
0: <laughs> you have to. I mean, it, it can be very much so. But think about this. I came out with this brand new program for Saturn to try to help Saturn or try to help one price stores. And although there are a lot of those still in the country operating very well and making money. And doing a great job. But then Saturn, unfortunately, went out of business. And I had all these programs still in the closet. And uh, because I made them what time sensitive Mm -hmm. and brand specific, whoops. (laughs) That's not exactly the thing that you should do if you're trying to market a program for uh, more than one, again, brand or time. But at any rate, we moved on from there. And to skip ahead, I became a general sales manager with the dream job. Most of us don't get this, but I had an opportunity as a general sales manager in 2010 to take over a reinstatement facility. There was no involvement from anybody else. A general manager brought me in and said I could do my own sales process, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. own program. I could do whatever I wanted to do as long as we met you know, our market standards and we met our CSI. That's all we had to do. So we put that in and had great success in the first year, got that all done, all handled. And then we moved on. We moved on to something else. I became a, a Honda sales manager. And at that time, I'd had a little bit of free time on my hands. And I decided to write beyond the walk around because I've been dabbling with all this training for a period of time and working on things such as the technique, which we'll talk about, feigned indifference, market-based uh, pricing philosophy, all the things that are extremely important today, even more so. And I decided to put it into a book format. And that has done extremely well. We've had a really good response to that, but it is an evolution. It is more evolved. It talks about creating an environment or setting a tone more than anything else, not just meet and greet and say, what do I got to do to sell you a car? We have to set these things up and we have to understand the people and the consumers that we're dealing with. There's so many things that can throw the sales process off and the customers themselves, they want to branch off. We have to bring them back to the trunk. We have to counter them when they say something that may not be accurate. This flies right in the face of a lot of training.
1: It does, right? And and at the end of the day, it's really just about creating that experience. Like, you know, exactly. You know, that unicorn. I call it a unicorn because everyone's chasing Mm -hmm. it, right? Like, we're all trying to figure out like how to build the experience. How to build the experience? You know, well, the the experience is your people. All right, Right. it's it's their body language. It's what they say. You know, and sometimes it's actually more of what their body language is saying sometimes necessarily even what they're saying in general i'm a i am aii love reading people i I i'm 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 weird i i I love people watching it's one of my favorite pastimes of like ever i'm sure you're probably the same i mean based on kind of what i've read about what you've written i'm pretty sure you like what you like doing people watching as well and it is it's it's truly you know trying to to create that experience but putting it from a a people first type mentality Look, look look our processes and everything that we've done for the last uh 40 years has been profit first, not people first. Yes. And that's give a big functions. Give
0: me a dollar today, I'll give you two dollars back next week. <laughs>
1: that's that's exactly that's exactly what it's yeah, been. But watch you're, that, yeah. you're talking about just kind of a fundamental way of how do we evolve that? How do we change that? And um, I'm sure you probably didn't foresee the pandemic coming. You probably didn't see the the changes in our operations, but gosh, could you not have been more timely with that kind of message right out of the gate? It's, it's like we've, in the last six months, as an industry, we've changed more in the last six months than we probably have in the last 30 years combined, as far as yes. how we communicate, how we engage with the customer, how many options we give to the customer. Look, in the past, I wanted to buy a car. You bought a car my way. That was it like you came into my dealership you went through my 12 foot my 12 point process and there was nothing else you know now dealerships are like here's four different ways you can buy a car from me you know but we we the something really bad had to kind of like i I don't want to play down the you know the the pandemic cuz it's not a good thing at all. It's done some atrocious I things, what you're saying. People. but you know what I'm saying? There's a silver lining here yeah. because it's done some phenomenal things for our industry as far as us putting people kind of first in our process. I'm curious to get your thoughts of how you've seen that evolve, you know, since the beginning of this pandemic and now.
0: Well, here's the interesting part. Uh, and obviously there's more information for people to draw from or, or to draw out. The problem is, is that communication, which is the most important thing that there is, and Unfortunately, it seems to be going by the wayside in a lot of ways. But now with these things like the Zoom meeting that we're having right now, you can see me, I can see you, I can, you know, listen to your voice and your inflection. It's not like a text. It's not like uh, an email, which we still have to do. In fact, these things, the text is becoming extremely popular as as a form of communication because it gets the responses Mm -hmm. uh, that you might be looking for that we haven't had in the past, maybe from an email. Uh, or worse from a phone call that they just don't recognize the number and move on. But the fact of the matter is that these type of things that we're getting into a little bit more now, the video is bringing back a little bit more of that communication. We have to interpret data for the customer too, but they have to be able to listen to us. They have to be receptive to our words. And that's why the customer comfort comes in. And that's the first step. In the foundation of my entire training process is the pursuit of customer comfort and consultant confidence. So it, it seems like it's a blanket statement or a blanket idea, but everything goes back. If the customer is uncomfortable, they're not going to spend thousands of dollars. If they are, they will.
1: That's so. There's a lot of different things that we can do. That, that's that's really well said. Actually, you know what, um, Rob? Can I get you to turn down your speakers just a hair? get a little bit of reverb. Let's see. How's that? Let me see. Test, 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 test. There you go. That's Is this perfect. a little bit better? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not hearing that That kind of reverb back from my voice. It's when I talk. I normally, I noticed it. Okay. No biggie though. Um, Where were we? What were we saying again?
0: We were talking about uh, comfortable people spend thousands of dollars. Uncomfortable people tend to wait.
1: Yes. Well, you know what? Um, Look. Comfortable people do spend more money, but it's getting them comfortable. But also not necessarily the getting because I actually think that we can embrace all right activities, but it's not necessarily understanding the why we're doing the activity. Do You know what I mean? Like I, I, I watch this all the time in dealerships where a manager will come down and say, hey, we got a new process. Okay, boss. You're my boss. I do respect you. So, okay, let me walk you through that process. But it doesn't necessarily always feel like there's ownership of it. Like kind of like we're just like we're, we're going through the motions because that's what we're told our job responsibility is. But it's a lot different when an employee really owns that process or owns the goal for that versus just kind of executing because their boss executed them. So that's kind of my question for you <laughs> is, is like how do we get our staff to really kind of own the process versus us just you know, enforcing the process?
0: Allow them to make mistakes. I like that. That's something that uh, has been a management style of mine for a long time that uh, has been difficult from time to time because we'll allow them to do it because there's a lot of things that a skilled sales manager can do to correct a mistake while the customer is still there. However, you have to allow that sales consultant to sink or swim on their own at some point. And I I remember starting a position as a sales manager where I had someone above me constantly going, go in, go in, go in, go in, hurry up. Don't let him go. He's losing control. He could see this from 30 feet, you see. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's not the way I ever operated. The sales consultants have to be extremely well-trained. They have to be able to counter customers concerns and the customer has to listen to what they have to say. Hence the customer comfort, consultant confidence. If the consultant is confident on well, those things, by the way, are directly proportional. I'm not a math major or anything. It kept me out of physics by the way, but <laughs> at any rate, um, but they're directly proportional. Meaning as one goes up, as the customer comfort goes up, the consultant's confidence level is going to go up as well. If one drops, for instance, if the, customer, if the consultant's not confident, the customer's comfort level will go down as well, and they won't hear what we have to say. Mm-hmm. So these things are extremely uh, important, and that's why the pursuit of these two ideas is paramount. Uh, so that's, that's one of the things that I stress uh, ex- extremely hard.
1: Well, you know, I mean, given right now with the current climate, I mean, look, we're going into Q4, okay, already kind of a colder time. Uh, well, not cold for you. <laughs> not today. Would you say it was like short weather and flip flops? Right? Is that what? Is that what yeah, I heard? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm the snow right outside my door. Um, but, but look, it's it's the fourth quarter. Um, confidence in the consumer confidence and employee confidence is not overly high. And that might fluctuate kind of depending on geographically where you are within the country or, you know, that, that, that can change a lot, but you know, how we get a customer comfortable today, I think is entirely different than the way that we got a a customer comfortable uh, nine months ago. So Mm -hmm. can it walk me through that? Because it's, it's a big one right now. I know a lot of people are going to ask me, it's just like, how do I get, not just my, I, we'll, do, we'll do both questions, but let's start with the okay. customer first, getting the customer comfortable in today's environment, and then also getting the salesperson comfortable in today's environment. Let's start with customer.
0: Okay, very good. Well, if we go right into the market-based pricing philosophy, which a lot of facilities are moving toward, and what I mean by that is that the concept is we don't set the prices. The market does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, market has had this pricing set ever since, and I mentioned this with the, the class, uh, uh, did an interview with the, the marketing class, ever since, you know, the Silk Road of Marco Polo, the market has set pricing. Now you can find all of this in the data on the internet. Yes, they're differing. But if you have an idea, whether it be Kelly Blue Book, uh, even True Car gives a big range of pricing, it's all how you utilize that to create that comfort level. So the com- customer comes in, what about the toughest one that we get, or one of the toughest ones that we get? Somebody that comes in and says, I've never been able to buy from you because you won't deal. That drives me absolutely crazy because it's a false belief that the customer has for some reason, uh, probably, well, we know it from experience. It's, it, it's empiricism, but the fact of the matter is is that the customer has that and how do we react to it? Well, you'll be happy to know that everything is now market-based. We've done this just for you. You're very important to us. We don't want to miss you again not what do I got to do to sell you a car today? Or what do you want to pay? Which happens all the time, far too often, but you guys won't deal. Well, let me bring you right to my manager. Then we'll get, we'll get a great deal for you. We'll we'll sell you a car so cheap. You won't believe hold on. You're (laughs) you're devaluing the product right away. How are you going to, you're going to set up a utopia. You're going to set up a situation where you can't sell a car because they'll always think that there's something better. But if the market sets it, Okay, you'll be happy to know that we've restructured our pricing philosophy to dominate the market and we have. And that's what we're doing right now. And we did that just for folks like you.
1: That, that definitely can that, increase my confidence as far as like, um, I want to engage, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I know that there's going to be some time savings. Here because you know I, I, I there's I don't have to do that two three hours of negotiation that maybe I did the last right. time I bought my car. so I can see how that's going to increase my my confidence in wanting to engage with that specific you know you no know, dealer. Now mm-hmm. when it comes to engagement, look in the past and we kind of talked a little bit about this you know before we started hit the record button was you know it's like when you wanted to buy a car there was only one way to buy a car. It was me the dealer's way. that was it. Right, right. There, there was no customer way to buy a car, and so, so for us, I guess, to increase confidence even more so with the customer, we and there's a, some dealerships out there like here, are, here are two, here are three, here, here are four different ways you can, you, you can buy a car, and I and I think to what you're saying and just kind of add to it is that is that 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 market price, that transparency of market price can can bring that to it. Have you, have you seen this currently being executed?
0: I do. I have, I have uh, spoken to some dealerships that are utilizing it right now, but what it does is it, it, it creates that transitional period that allows you to sell it their way, or at least in their mind, because quite frankly, we're going to still try to go back to a specific or a certain sales process, which we should because of the things in the last 40 years, a high percentage have not worked, but the sales process, quite frankly, is still tried and true. If it's utilized properly, we have that's to true. get them to that. Yeah. Just like we were talking about the tree trunk, they branch off. It's just like a road. They're going to go off a side street. We got to bring them back to the road. That's the process. They don't have to know that they don't care about our process. No, that's not, that's not of interest to them. So they so, don't, Do you need need think to know that's, that's kind of like the happen. first
1: thing that we kind of have to really kind of push. Like I'm sitting there, I'm working with dealers and we're working through this. It's like the first thing I got to get them to understand and embrace is the customer mm-hmm. can give a rat's ass about what your process is. <laughs> They That's just simply absolutely. don't care. Like they don't. <laughs> they they, they, they don't. don't. But but like we, we. But I've spent all this time. I've invested all this money. I've done all this training, and I've done all the. You know they, they, they have to. No, they don't give a crap at all. You know, so it's, it's like building the process for us, but developing the experience for them is in two entirely different things. You know, and absolutely, we, we have and, to do both. We can't do just one, right?
0: And and then the funny thing is, is that what I teach helps us get through the process more efficiently. It helps us get through more quickly. It helps us qualify the situation. And there's differences. I don't need to go into that right now. But find out where you are in the situation. What do you need to do to get back to the process? Where's the customer? Are they listening to what you do have to say? Are you continuing to build value? And are you going to be able to ask for the sale? Because the two things that prevent us, everybody knows what they are. Wrong car, not asking for the business. That's almost cliche now. But it's still true. If you have them on the wrong car, your chances of closing the deal are relatively slim. That's true. All right. So, I mean, it's just if you don't ask for the business, unless you get a lay down, you're probably not going to sell the car.
1: I find that so, art has gone away. Like, is, like, oh. is it the, the art of asking for the business, which is always because, like, I mean, that was. When I first got in the business, it was just, that was it. it was, that was the key to everyone's success. You watch the most successful salespeople that, you know, was working at my dealership, the first GM dealership I worked at, you know, was the people that are most successful, were the ones that, uh, that could execute the ask for the business in the most professional, clean and appropriate way. And, and that 100%. art, the, the art of asking now is just kind of gone away. It's just almost like kind of expected. Well, come on, look at that price. Look at the payment. What do you do? Like, of course you're doing this. What are, we, what are, we, what are you talking about? How, how do we, how do we get back to that? That is one basic that I definitely want to see that we need to get back to.
0: It's the, you know, why don't we go ahead and continue with the process? It, it's, it's so simplistic that we don't, and we just don't do it. Can we go ahead and continue with the paperwork? If you say those two things, mm-hmm. the customer knows they're buying the car. You don't even have to say it any other way, but if you have a situation where a customer and how many times again, cliche, we've, the customer said we're well, not buying for a month or two or three or a year and they, they still buy the car that day because the sales consultant did their job followed the process did sure. what they were supposed to do but if i have somebody that said i'm not doing that i'm still going to go through my process i'm still going to give them the needs assessment that they need in the interview i'm still going to give them the world-class presentation and this is some of the things that we miss as well but that world-class presentation that makes you a dinner topic How often do we really see that these days?
1: No, you you really don't.
0: But if I've done all those things, and then at the end I say, you know what, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, I know you said you weren't buying for a month. But considering what we have going on, particularly right now, with all the incentives that are available to us, with the market-based pricing, with everything that we've talked about, is this something we can go ahead and accelerate? Is this something we can go ahead and do now? Now, there's your, can we do it now?
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: there's always a spot for that can we go ahead and move forward with the process or why don't we go ahead and move forward with the process, which is a little more assertive. So there's all these different things that we have to learn as sales consultants and as managers that, uh, that these, these books that I've I've written do do speak to, which uh, I'm really excited about.
1: No, I think, I think it's really cool. Look at the end of the day, it's all about perception. And this is one thing that I always kind of harp a lot, uh, with people is that, you know, uh, look, your customer's perception is not, is, is their truth. It's, it's not reality in a lot of cases, but, right. it, but it, it's it's their truth. And you got to respect that and you got to work along with that, all right? Look, if the customer's perception is that you're treating them like cattle and you're moving them like a herd in and out of these gates, I don't give a crap if you don't think that's right or wrong, that is how they perceive it. So it's developing out a sales process where the perception to the customer is that they're the ones that are in the control. And we're not. I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad way because I do want the customer to, to, to feel like they're in control. But you know, at the end of the day, we are the professionals. All right. We, we do know what information and which direction we have to head into, not because we're trying to increase our profitability, but because we're trying to make the transaction better for them in the first place. So it's like, how do we get that, that perception that the customer's in control? I mean, I find that that is kind of the key to some of the best sales processes out there.
0: Jason, you hit it right on the head. (laughs) <laughs> and the easiest way is to tell them they're in control. Let
1: well, them, like
0: let them hear let them hear it. Say folks, you make all the decisions. You're in control here. You know, tell me what you'd like to do. That being said, you're going to move ahead as the sales process dictates, keeping all these neat things in mind that they are now going to tell you because their comfort level just rose. And now they're going to offer more information because they understand that they're the ones they believe are dictating the process. And now you're able to have a, an advantage because you're going to speak, you're going to counter. And you were getting back to also the perception of certain things. And that's why we counter. If somebody mm-hmm. has a perception that is inaccurate, you counter, you transition and close with professional courtesy. Keep those things in mind. Professional courtesy. You don't want to disagree. And I've had this conversation many times. I want to counter, and I'll disagree with the customer multiple times multiple times during the process and still have them loving the situation and the experience. How is that possible? Well, let's say you have somebody right off the bat that just wants to argue. You meet them on a the lot, they say before you even get into a greeting, they say the price in this is too high. <laughs> we have that happen every once in a while. Of course. Or that's, you know, whatever the price is too high for this. When you say it's too too high, do you mean it's too much for the vehicle or more do you want to spend a day? Drill down just a little bit. Well, because it's
1: it's their perception, right? You know what? You know, there's a there's a word that I wish we could actually remove from our industry is this overcoming objections, right? Because an objection is 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 built to be kind of a negative thing. It's an objection, and I must overcome overcome it. I must conquer the objection, and and that just kind of puts this whole sales process in this in this battle, because I must conquer. Over the objection, but when we when we take the approach of the kind of what you're talking about here is is is, is that it's not an objection; it's just a perception. Mm-hmm. I feel like as salespeople, when we look at it that way, or management look at it that way, then it's just we we can acknowledge the fact that that is their perception, not necessarily reality. But we still have to respect that it is their perception and, and and actually take the time to understand why they perceive it that way. Just to you, the point that you said there, that I, I insanely I think increases consumer confidence. No,
0: absolutely hundred uh, percent. And the fact of the matter is, is that that's why I call it a counter. It's not overcoming. I, I, I
1: like that. is so much better. I, I, I want to hear that in dealerships way more often. I want to hear the word counter being used.
0: Yes, it is. It's just a counter, you know, and if you have somebody that says that again, you know, the price of the vehicle, but well, it's more than I wanted to spend, what have you, you can counter the counter is actually, this is priced far below what the market says it's itself for understanding that which is the transition in the counter, understanding this, knowing this or that, now that this is clear, can we go ahead and take a closer look at the vehicle? Let me show you why it's bringing the money or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's a counter transition close, which can be used throughout the entire process, no matter what step you're on and move the customer forward with professional courtesy and not having them feel like they're being disagreed with on a consistent basis, although they are. But the fact of the matter is, is again, professional courtesy, allows you to get to that close. And in this case, we're just closing to a presentation, that world-class presentation that we want to do.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily that we're disagreeing. I don't think what it is is just we're we're, we're we're acknowledging and understanding their perception and then mm-hmm. helping them kind of through the path to maybe what the the, the reality of it is, right? Absolutely. Like that, that's, I, mean, I, like, I just want to I, – I, I am so tired of hearing – the sales process be trained or coached on as if it's a battle. Like we're going to war people, you know, like I gotta be honest with you. The first dealership I worked in, um, they had a culture, At least they did. A lot of dealerships I've worked with over the years never had a culture, but they had a culture, not a great culture, but it was culture around money. All right. It was money was the culture. That was it. That was it. Make more, make more, make more, make more. You know, but it it was clearly defined, you know, and it was. I mean, every Saturday morning meeting, because the culture was money, it was this this battle. They have it. We want it. You got to take it. And it's just every Saturday morning was just how you can take more of it. And uh, it, look, it was a great dealership to work at because it taught me so much in such a short period of time of what not to do. And, and so I, I feel like I, yes. fa- I fast-tracked. I don't necessarily think it was a bad bad thing at all. I mean, I was able to fast-track my understanding of the sales process and how it positively or negatively affects the consumer because it was just so bad. <laughs> you know, right. but, but getting into... Now, now that kind of really helps on the customer confidence. I guess my second part to the question is the... Employee confidence, because I think it, without employee confidence, we can never get to customer confidence. So let's walk me through kind of that. How do I right now, kind of given the circumstances, mm-hmm. the Q4, the pandemic, the just uh, rolling closures, depending on where you are located, you know, consumer co- or, oh, sorry, employee confidence. How do I build that?
0: By helping them understand that no matter how difficult it may seem, it's not that difficult if you follow the process. Follow the process, be prepared. Preparation solves so many different problems and you get that through training.
1: Yeah, that's So, so true. I,
0: would, I would implore all the managers out there, the sales consultants to dive into as much training as possible, but preparation is a surefire cure. How many times do we go into a situation not prepared where our confidence level is so low that we can't function?
1: Yeah, we almost got yeah. get ourselves into a hole. We can never really kind of dig it back out.
0: And it's impossible. And one of the things, too, is with the concept of feigned indifference. And this is this is something that has been a staple in my presentation. Feigned indifference is to pretend to have no bias or preference as to whether they buy a car right now or not. Talk about flying in the face yeah. of conventional, but it's to pretend. That's where the feigned part comes in.
1: What's the mindset. So, in other words, a good mindset. If you have,
0: Yeah, if you have your, if you, there's your confidence there too. But if you have your Type A, that walks in Type A plus. Sorry, I'm not going to get in. I'm not a psychologist, so I don't want (laughs) to start defining personalities. But if you have somebody that comes in and runs through the showroom and says something to the effect of, "I'm buying a car today. The price has to be right. Need to give me what I want for my trade, and I need it all in 10 minutes. But if you do it, I'll buy the car." The first sales consultant comes up, does a proper meet and greet, the most confident sales consultant there is in the world shakes the hand, introduces themselves, and says, please buy the vehicle when it represents a value to you, not before.
1: I like that. And, you know, actually, that's a lesson, Rob, that took me a long time to learn. It really yeah. was. You know, it, it took me a while to understand that not every customer was going to be my customer. So I had this, mm-hmm. you know, it was constantly, it was a, a go-to-battle go mentality. I had to win every single battle. And, right. you know, what it was, it was not necessarily, it, because I was so focused on the results, I wasn't necessarily focused on the efforts, all right. The, the, that's how I went into it. And I would have been that salesperson early on that, you know, right out of the gate. You know, it was like that person walked in and I'd be like, OK, fine, get over here. Writing everywhere, doing this, scribbling this. Give me your credit card. Give me this. Give me that. I'm going to run this way. And I would just be running around like a chicken with my head cut off. You know, I, right. I learned later on when I was able to own my own dealership, I had my Mitsubishi dealership, that that, that was not the process. All right, that, that, that it really was, you know, for me to be confident, I had to just be confident that, you know, uh, we were going to bring value and, and, yes. and, and nothing was going to happen. I mean, nothing was going to happen with a customer until we, we I got into this, this cloud nine of value proposition. And then it was just like, and then the perception and the value aligned and then we were able to continue to move forward. But it took me a long time to learn how to slow down so I could speed up for that.
0: That's a difficult concept because everybody wants to go, go, go now, now, now. Of course. And when I say the, all these things, please don't misinterpret that. I know you don't, but anybody out there, do, do not misinterpret. I want the vehicle to go now. Yes, of course. We want the business today, right now, if at all possible, because it is so competitive, because there's so many different things that can take a customer out of the market through through things that aren't our fault. Uh, the fatigue factor, for instance, I define the fatigue factor. It's real simple. People get tired. They'll pay more money from somebody they don't want to buy from necessarily for the car they don't necessarily want because they're tired. It's close enough at that time. And we have to watch that. That's why we consistently have to build the value and consistently have to ask for the business and go for it today. So don't get me wrong. Everything that I say, everything that I teach is still designed to get a car deal now, if at all possible. But it's also designed that if it's not possible, these people come back at a higher percentage than ever before and our closing percentage skyrockets, and that's what we're shooting for.
1: No, look, I understand that we have to build a process around getting the deal now. But you know, as in uh, when I became an owner, I understand that I don't want every deal. <laughs> I right. realized that quickly. You know, isn't um, that good to know? It, it, well, <laughs> man, it was it was an epiphany of of, of sorts. Really, it was. It was like well, what? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, it it it. it, it Really kind of opened my eyes a lot. And to be able to en- kind of empower my staff that way, uh, th- look, there's a fine line between confidence and cocky, right? And, and I always had to watch that, right? So if you did empower someone with that, saying understanding that not every customer is going to be our customer, and I'm okay with that because our best customers are our customers that are happy. They're happy because the value, the perceived value and their perceived um, uh, budget has aligned with each other that we can continue to move forward with the transaction that makes everybody happy. They're the best customers, they're the happy customers, they service customers, they're the referring type customers. And they're the ones yes. that at that dinner party who do... Speak highly of the experience, and that is the type of re- repeat business. But for a, but it took me a while to get to that space. But I, I understand what you're saying; I really do. It's like no, we want the business now, um, knowing that you may not, as an owner, want every single piece of business out there. I know I didn't.
0: Correct, and that's you know that's where the management staff comes in because you know they're given their instructions uh, from either the general sales manager, general manager, owner, what have you. That's where the sales manager comes in and trains the sales staff. And, and we all do. And they'll decide what deals they want and what deals they don't want. And, th- and that's, again, for them to decide. However, uh, one of the things that, that we have to be sure of is that the people out there, you talk about referrals, they have to think we're the best thing since sliced bread. If we it, it, Here's another thing. This is a deterrent to force somebody into a car. You say you want every deal. Let's say you do a, a ridiculous job. You tire them out. Mm-hmm. You force them into a vehicle or you talk them into a vehicle because you're that good and it's a vehicle they don't want, and they tell 10 friends they feel like they were pressured into the car. Oh, Here's they'll, the they'll
1: tell 100. You know that. Every, every chance they get a chance to tell somebody, they will tell them.
0: Right. So there's going back, back to the deals that you want, the deals that you don't want, let's specify that. But the things that we are talking about right now will get you to those deals that you do want, again, more efficiently and uh, with, with a higher percentage of, of close. So that's good.
1: You know, uh, I find... Empowering your staff is really kind of the key to kind of continue to create that that, that kind of confidence. And but but I find in our industry we, we actually kind of struggle with that because we're so performance gen, uh, driven. We focus so yes. much on the performance um, that, that that it's it's hard to empower because we're constantly we're, we're we're chasing we're chasing the tail of the dragon and we're just constantly in that, and that's what and that's how our focus is. If we focus on our efforts knowing that the, the results will come if the focus on our efforts there, then building their, look, building their confidence in efforts is insanely more easier than building their confidence in performance because the results yes. may not always be there. In fact, actually that's the way I loved it. Look, I, I did sports a lot when I was a kid. All right. And I just remember having this coach, this football coach. I was in middle school and you know, the the one thing, you know, during the, three years I was in middle school playing football with him the one thing that I just I took from him uh, was just just you let everything on the field that's all that mattered to him yep. he didn't care in fact half the time you probably asked him didn't even know what the bloody score was <laughs> um, because he just simply didn't care and it was just it was it was how much he left on the field so we focus so much on the results so much on the results but it, or so much on the efforts and it's just we have to stop focusing on the results and your confidence can grow from how much better you get with each of those efforts the the results are just the byproduct, no?
0: Absolutely, and uh, how many times have we seen the switch get flipped with a sales consultant?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How many times have we seen a sales consultant struggle and then all of a sudden he or she gets it? And all of a sudden they're not at the bottom third, they're in the upper third or they're in the top three or they're salesman of the month. And all of a sudden it happens and now it's consistent because we allowed them to make the mistakes, to allow them to learn. If you go in and chastise somebody to the point where and uh, that they just don't want to, they're not, they're not interested anymore. You, you've taken them off the floor, you've taken them out mm-hmm. of the game for a day or two. And another thing is that if you allow them to make a mistake, you show them where the mistake is, you fix it, and you do it again with professional courtesy and respect, you just made yourself 10 more car deals because they'll remember that. And that sales consultant, when that switch gets flipped, becomes a star, becomes an extremely powerful performer. And these are things that sometimes we miss in the heat of the moment because we're so results driven. The results will come with the proper activities.
1: And to create those proper activities, we have to have a goal around confidence. See, we actually have to, like, it's not enough to just to say we want to increase our confidence in our customers and want to increase our confidence in our staff. It's like, we actually have to set a goal, which means then we have to actually measure it. So then that goes into my last question for you, because I know we're getting towards the talent, but how do you measure confidence in your, in your customer? And how do you measure confidence in uh, your staff?
0: Well, with, with the customer, it would just be—I uh, would think—repeat and referral business. Uh, that they have confidence in you, that you're going to treat them properly, that you're going to take very, very good care of them. With the sales consultant, actually measuring the confidence level—that's that's a little bit more difficult. But I would mm-hmm. say that the results will come. So you know, we do measure results. Results don't don't lose sight of how important results are. Because that's really what happens. A lot of people say don't confuse effort with results. Mm-hmm. And you have to have both. You have to have that resounding effort to have the results that you want. But as you see the results come, as you see the consultants waiting on more guests, and that's a way to measure it as well. How many, how many contacts are they making every month? Yes. How many people are they getting in front of? You'll find that a, confident, or I'm sorry, that a consultant that lacks confidence is not going to get in front of people. So I guess the easiest way to measure that, there's an epiphany, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I, if I didn't know before.
1: No, no, but you're, but you're 100% <laughs> right, though. If you want to yeah. measure their confidence, you can look yeah. at how many at-bats you look at. You look at their, right. their, their efforts, right? Look, mm-hmm. but you're 100% right. A confident employee will follow up more, Yeah. All right, will execute the process consistently more often, Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the results. It's just they're a confident player leaves it all out on the field. Going back to playing football in middle school. All right? right. A confident player leaves it all out there. And you see when they leave it all out there because of their their commitment and consistency to executing on what those processes are.
0: Absolutely. Very good. Very, very good.
1: Man, this has been a great Podcast, fuck, we could probably jam another hour really if we wanted to. Yes, we could. <laughs> but, uh, but I know it's towards the telling the telling of our time. And Rob, before I let you go though, uh, for everybody out there that's watching and listening and digging our digging our back and forth kind of conversation here, and would love to get a copy of your book or learn more about you, what's the best way to connect with you?
0: I'm going to give you an email. And I'm going to give you a phone number and I don't think we can't put it up on screen necessarily. So sure. if you write it down, Rob at Hamilton sales training.com. So again, just Rob Rob at Hamilton sales is my email. And then my phone number and it's a direct line. I am not afraid to handle phone calls. I love if it. you don't get me, if you don't get me, uh, if that's okay with you, Jason, uh, if you don't get me, just, you know, leave a message. Absolutely. So is that all right? Absolutely. Not yet. No, no,
1: of course, of course, please. Okay.
0: Uh, it's 815-988-1297. And I am not, again, I'm not afraid I'm engaged. I am happy to listen to messages. I will return them as I can, but Hamilton sales is the website. Now, just Hamilton sales training, all one awesome. Hamilton sales I think it's a fun website. There's a lot of information available on it. Right now, there are free copies of the ebook available for a limited time, which is great. And that's for Beyond the Walkaround and Concepts of Modern Automotive Sales. So just go to the shop tab and they're free. But you can also get a print version on um, amazon.com. You can also get an audible version uh, through that or through iTunes, you can get an audio version. And that's done extremely well. Both of these books are in audio format.
1: Actually, I love the fact that you did an audio format. In fact, actually, I give some people in the automotive industry that have written books a hard time that they don't have an audio format because I can't tell you a manager that has enough time on their hands to sit down and actually read through a book. So it's great that you have an audio because then I can consume it on my way in I can consume it on my way. Back and within a couple of days, boom! I'm done. I've got it all. So that's that's awesome. Hey Rob, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been so much fun. You have yourself an amazing day.
0: Thank you so much, Jason. It's a pleasure.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy
0: Mob Podcast with your host Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at StrategyMob.com
1: to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.